the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, July the 25th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1866, Ulysses S. Grant was named General of the Army of the United States. He was the first officer to hold that rank. Today in 1943, Benito Mussolini was dismissed as Premier of Italy by King Victor Emmanuel III. He was placed under arrest He was later rescued by the Nazis and reasserted his authority. That did not last long, if you know your history. Today in 1946, the United States detonated an atomic bomb near Bikini Atoll in the Pacific in the first underwater test of an A-bomb. Today in 1978, Louise Joy Brown, the first test tube baby, was born in Oldham, England. She'd been conceived through the technique that we know as in vitro fertilization. Today in 2010, the online whistleblower WikiLeaks posted about 90,000 leaked U.S. military records that amounted to a blow-by-blow account of the Afghanistan war, including unreported incidents of Afghan civilian killings, as well as covert operations against the Taliban figures. That's been a saga that continues to this day. The WikiLeaks guy is still gone from the United States, living in exile. Today in 2016, on the opening night of the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, Bernie Sanders, he robustly embraced his former rival, Hillary Clinton. They had fought for months, but not on this night. He embraced her. He embraced her as a champion for the same economic causes that enlivened his supporters. He said, Hillary and I are just alike, signaling it was time for them, his his followers, to rally behind Hillary Clinton in the campaign against, you know who, Republican Donald Trump. The campaign against Donald Trump has never ended. The election came and went. And the campaign continues to destroy Donald Trump. I have never in my life seen anything quite like the campaign against Donald Trump. It never ends. It probably will never end until he is dead. These people are so asphyxiated by him and what he does and what he says I've never seen anything like it in all of my life. But anyway, we know how the 2016 election turned out. We don't know what happened to the 2020 election. I'm one of those who has doubts about the integrity of our, and I know that that's caused people their jobs. I don't know who can fire me except the people that listen to this program and support it. But uh, it's caused people their jobs to even think out loud about the possibility of the last election being corrupted some way. Uh, 
I just, I don't know. I've read all of everything I could find on it over the last couple of years. And I, the more I've read about it and looked at it, the more I'm convinced there was, there was definitely uh, some wrongdoing. There was people fiddling with the outcome of the election. In my mind, there's no question about that. To what extent? I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that a, a country as wise and as prosperous and as free as America would vote 81 million people vote for Joe Biden. Honestly, I can't see that. I just can't see it. I mean, it, he's it's far worse now than it was then. He was, but he was unable to string sentences together. They kept him in the basement of his home. I mean, literally through the whole campaign, so the public couldn't see his, you know, physical condition. It's much, much worse now. But they plan to do the same thing. They announced the other day that he would be running his his campaign for president would not be a traditional one. They said this was just last week. They said he would be be doing a lot of online and and television and video conferencing and so on from his <laughs> the studio in his home. Well, that's the basement where they created that little mini studio. I, I don't know. I don't know if America will go for that again or not. I hope not. I pray not. <clears throat> we should be praying. I saw an article this morning. It was written by Dr. Jay Johnson. He's a chaplain at Family Research Council. Caught my eye. It was really good. And I, I'm not going to share all of it with you, but let me share a little bit. He said, Dr. Jay Johnson, he said, um, he said, in Luke chapter 18, we have a parable on prayer where Luke communicates the urgency and the insistence to always pray and not lose heart while praying. As followers of Jesus, we need to strengthen our dependence upon Jesus as we cultivate an attitude of prayer in our lives so that at any moment we're ready to call upon him through prayer. It can be difficult to be persistent in praying. We can become discouraged over the various matters that press in upon us and believe we can find an answer some other way. He said, I believe Jesus knew our flesh would be weak and that we would tend to lose heart. Therefore, he gave his disciples and us the remarkable parable to lean into, encouraging us to pray continually and not give up. That's a great message because those are the times in which we live. Luke chapter 18, as you may know, begins with the first verse, he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and to faint not. And in other translations, that's the King James, in other translations it means not to uh, give up, not to faint, don't give up. And he goes on to talk about the there was a, a, a city, in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and so on, and how this widow came to him. And in verse 8, Luke chapter 18, The Bible says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? I think that's a call for us. Certainly today, it is for all time. It's the word of the Lord. But it's a call for us today because it is, we live in an environment that would be very conducive to just pushing back. And I've seen a lot of my friends do this, even ministry friends. And man, I, I, I don't 
understand. I don't mean that critically. I, I'm just saying I, I don't understand how, it, because it's not a career. Christianity is not a career. Being a pastor is not a career. It's a calling. And, and I don't think any of us should push back and say, well, you know, I'm 65 or whatever, and I'm going to quit now. I, 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 I believe this is bigger than that and more than that. It is the kingdom. And I understand people eventually get to a point where you, you're not able to do anything. But as long as you're able to do something and, and God gives you the opportunity, whatever it is, and certainly we all have the opportunity to pray consistently all the time. Have a conversation with God and just have that open communication with the Lord. As we look at the culture around us, and it is rotten to the core. No question about it. I talked yesterday at some length about the fact that there's a revival among the young, and there is. And I've been saying that. I've had people even question me and say, man, you better be careful with that because I don't know that there's any revival going on out there. The Bible says it's going to get worse and worse, and it does, and it is. But in the midst of all of the chaos and the darkness and the demonic oppression that we're experiencing in our culture today. I mean, you look at it, you look at what we're doing in the culture today, and you put that up against some of the Old Testament accounts of the barbarianism that those people were doing in the name of false gods. It's not so different. No, it's we are corrupted by sin to the core in the culture today, particularly in this current leadership. But, man, there's a move of God among the kids, and as I said yesterday, among the prisoners in prisons, prison um, ministries and prison uh, uh, ministry fellowship, and, and there's a number of organizations that are given to that kind of ministry. And guys and, and, and women in the in the penitentiaries and in the jails and so on are getting saved because there is no other hope. I mean, it's becoming abundantly clear that man has miserably failed in the greatest country, the, the, the most prosperous, the most free, the most blessed nation in the history of the world. And we are floundering and failing and we are spiritually and, and economically in some ways dying because of the policies that emit from the kind of philosophy that has taken control in our country, at least at this time. I believe, though, God has called us to, to, to work and to be active and to, be, and to pray. And don't faint. Don't get weak. Be strong in the Lord. Not just positive thinking like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm strong. I'm going to overcome this. In ourselves, we can't overcome this, but God can, working through us. And we can have a great impact, and we are to, to occupy until he returns. That's the word of the Lord. And so I'm kind of into occupying and doing what we can do to impact the culture, and particularly the lives and hearts of people who do not know Christ as Savior. So... I look at what happens and what is happening in our world today, and I look at it through that lens. So am I disappointed? Is it depressing sometimes? Yeah. 
It is. But don't be faint. Just stand strong. Occupy until he returns. God is in control. Just keep praying. Keep pressing. And the story that Jesus told there to his disciples about the the judge and, and the woman who kept coming to him and so on, she, she persisted. And the point of the parable was that she finally got what she was persisting for. And he likened that, of course, unto our prayer life and to our prayer. Don't be faint. Don't grow weary in well-doing. It's worth it. It's the right thing to do as far as the Lord is concerned. So all of that to say, we shall carry on. And I want to thank all of you who allow us to carry on and um, do what we do each day on this program. We are completely funded by people who believe in this ministry and support it financially and prayerfully. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Remember when it was announced in the news that Hunter Biden had created a kind of a gallery of his paintings? No one knew he was a painter, of course, (laughs) uh, but he became one. And he sold uh, his artwork to uh, people, but he said, and his father, President Joe Biden, said that he would never know who bought the paintings. It's not about money coming from, you know, for uh, various purposes. He said, no, he won't even know who buys them and so on. Well, that, again, was not true. It was simply a lie. He does know who bought them. And uh, it's back in the news again today. So Hunter Biden's gallery sold the first son's artwork to a major Democratic donor appointed to a prestigious commission. She was given, um, I forget what the title was, but she was given some title by Joe after she bought uh, at least $1.3 million worth of his paintings. I mean, he's not a known artist. I mean, I don't know if his paintings are good or not. I've seen a few pictures of them, but... Um, This wasn't about that, and everybody knew that. I mean, I knew it, you knew it, everybody knew that that was paying attention. But one of the buyers was a prominent Democratic donor who was appointed by Hunter's father, Joe, to a very prestigious commission in Europe representing art or something on behalf of the United States. I mean, it's just a, she gets to be a big deal over there wherever she is in Europe, and I didn't look into it that deeply because I didn't really care, except to say that the corruption continues to roll. It never stops. At some point, this family that's in power in the United States is going to have to face reality. I pray it comes sooner than later. It isn't good for the nation. And this is not a political statement on my part. It's an honest, sincere, from a citizen of many, request (laughs) To God that he would deliver us from this. This is awful. And it just keeps getting worse. The White House has now removed conservative reporters. No, they didn't make an announcement and ask all the conservative reporters to leave the room. But President Biden has taken action that has gotten that, that um, r- result. So amidst growing re- re- concerns over censorship, The Biden White House, in the middle of of a discussion about censorship in the nation and social media platforms and all of that, 
the Biden White House is changing the rules on press credentials and the changes July 31st, which is next week. It's potentially forcing conservative reporters out of the briefing room. You know where you see that briefing room and the reporters are in there and they're asking that the press secretary the questions and she's dodging them, particularly this one. Well, that that is the press room. And so the basically the conservative reporters are being shut out. And that was, I mean, it had to be the intent of this because there was no other plausible reason to do what the president has done. But according to these new rules, White House reporters must hold a press pass from the U.S. House of Representatives, the Senate, or the Supreme Court to maintain access to the White House briefing room. So you ask our, we ask ourselves, what's going on here? Well, starting next week, as I said, July the 31st, existing White House hard passes, that means they're in continuum, uh, will expire. They're leaving several reporters without access to the briefing rooms. One of them One of them that caught my attention is Fred Lucas. He's a White House correspondent for Heritage Foundation. Heritage Foundation does a great job. I don't agree with everything they say, of course. Nobody agrees with everything anybody says except the Lord himself in the Bible, or we should. But he's a great reporter, and the Heritage Foundation and their their news outlet, the Daily Signal, they do a great job. And I, I... draw information from them all the time and millions of others do as well but lucas has held this hard pass since 2009 and he's covered both obama and trump's presidencies he'll he's out he will not have access to the white house that that had to be deliberate it's kind of like if you're losing change the rules it's it's done all the time by the left because there's nothing fixed there's no there's no basis needed to do what they do. They just do it because it seems expedient at the moment. The end always justifies the means. And in this case, Biden doesn't want people in there <clears throat> like conservatives that are asking hard questions or revealing questions that tell people things they don't want them to know. So they'll stop at nothing to silence and to censor. And Representative Paul Gosar, from, a Republican from Arizona, Boy, he took off on this. He said the Biden regime will stop at nothing to silence and censor any and all political opponents. He said no one is immune from Biden's hatchet jobs, including reporters who dare report the truth. This new rule change has been criticized as a form of censorship and media manipulation. This is the first step of the Biden administration to oust what they consider non-compliant media from the White House. He said, um, I've, covered, I've covered the White House under both Obama and Trump administrations. There's never been a targeted press purge like this before. In the past, the process of obtaining access to the White House briefing room was, according to Lucas, apolitical, and it was decided by the Secret Service. I don't know even if the Secret Service, the, the leadership of it, I don't even know if they're apolitical now. They're supposed to be. But he said the Biden White House has now politicized that process as well, meaning the press process. Heritage Foundation Vice President of Communications, this Rob Bluey, he agreed. He he said Joe Biden's White House is engaged in a blatant act of censorship by arbitrarily changing the rules and making it prerequisite for reporters to first obtain congressional or Supreme Court credentials 
In the White House, he said, is intentionally banishing reporters like the Daily Signal's Fred Lucas. Lucas has applied for credentials for both Congress and Supreme Court. It's still unclear whether he'll be able to obtain them. They're, they're very hard to get. And, of course, again, the president knew this, and he knew that which reporters this would eliminate. And so it, it's a very uh, it's very thought out. It, it, it's just a, a deliberate act of censorship on the press, on specific, on targeting specific people who are conservative. Lucas has held this White House pass for 14 years, but next week he's out. Unless something happens between then and now to allow him to go continue doing what he's been doing. Representative Matt Gates from Florida, he said, I urge House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to grant congressional press credentials to the Daily Signal to ensure their presence in the White House continues uninterrupted. I I think McCarthy will intervene at the last minute if no one else has done so. I, I would expect him to. If he doesn't, I would be deeply disappointed, to be honest with you. But I, I think he will. But Mr. Lucas' tenure at the White House has spanned both Democrat and Republican administrations is Harriet Hageman. She's the new representative. She was elected to take the place of Liz Cheney in in Wyoming, and she was strongly supported and endorsed by Donald Trump and won huge, I mean, in the election. She, She said Joe Biden is operating the most opaque operation in presidential history, censoring either directly or by proxy anybody that dares ask a question fact-check their dubious claims or provide a thought counter to their own. That's exactly right. Gates says he thinks the White House is changing its guidelines for maintaining press credentials because the American people are finally realizing the full extent of the Biden uh, crime family's corruption. That is happening. This is all, it's all rolling out. The light is on. And they're not going to be able to hide. They're, They're not going to be able to sweep all this under the rug. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Ironically, Gates' comments came on the same day that Senator Chuck Chuck Grassley, again, a Republican from Iowa, and he's been doing stuff like this for quite some time, thankfully. He released an FBI form that includes mention of an alleged $10 million bribery scheme involving both Joe and son Hunter Biden with the Ukrainian natural gas company. Burisma has been in the news for, what, a couple of years now. But according to Hageman, the Bush administration is working the block to block the Daily Signal's White House press credentials for the crime of being conservative. And that is becoming a crime, interestingly enough. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, she said the new policy is part of the Biden administration's campaign to target free speech, adding that if big tech won't censor them, they'll push to kick out a conservative member of the press who has covered the past three administrations. She said that's liberal logic at its peak. It is. You know, censorship is not a new idea. We see that in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, the authorities tried to censor the apostles, the people that were out, the disciples that followed Christ and knew Christ, Peter in particular, but others, John. They tried to censor them. They brought them in. They hauled them in a number of times. If you read through the book of Acts, you see they were hauled in in front of the authorities. And finally, they were told that they they absolutely had to stop preaching in that name. That name was Jesus Christ. 
They were out on the streets proclaiming that he had risen from the dead. The authorities just couldn't handle that. They could not absorb that kind of thing going on in their city. And so they hauled them in again and they said, look, we're going to really take action if you guys keep going out on the street and, and saying these things. You can't say that this man that was crucified out here outside the city is alive, that he came back to life again. You can't do that. You can't preach this gospel in his name. Go out there and be religious. I'm paraphrasing, but go out there and be religious and talk about your beliefs, but don't bring this 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 man, this dead man, before the people and tell them he's alive. And if you do, there's going to be really consequences. I mean, that was the message to these guys out on the street, these first Christians. And what did they do? They said, well, we would rather obey God than man. And that's what brought about that would be called today an insurrection. And they went out on the streets and kept preaching. And yes, they all paid a price for it. But they didn't stop. They didn't grow weary in well-doing. We're faced with kind of that today. We're not at that point today. But we are moving toward that kind of an environment if things don't change. I believe things can change. I believe that God's in control. And I believe God hears the prayers of his people. And I believe that our prayers can make an impact on our nation. But censorship is something that is not of God. God has created freedom and liberty, and he has given birth to the human race by creating us, male and female. And the idea is that we're free in him, in God. China's first emperor, he once said, I have collected all the writings of the empire and burnt those which were of no use. Lovers of liberty worldwide have been fighting the arrogance of censors the last 2,400 years since that guy did that. It has never stopped. In the founding of this nation, founding father Patrick Henry famously said, give me liberty or give me death. That's a strong commitment. President Biden appears to be acting more like China's first emperor than America's founding fathers. Censorship is generally considered a tool of government because they have a monopoly on the legalized force. The message is shut up or else. And that's what we're seeing in the White House right now as we speak. The same thing that happened on the streets of Jerusalem, the same thing that happened with this Quin Shi Hong, China's first emperor. What is freedom of speech? Well, Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, as you probably know, they're well known for defending Christians in matters of religious free speech. They're a legal firm. They published an excellent article on what is free speech, and I put that in an article that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. And I put a link to this article that they've created, what is free speech. If you have time, I would really encourage you to, to read it. It's one of the section in particular addresses why we must protect our freedom of speech, and it goes through all of the reasons why we should protect our freedom of speech and take it very seriously because it's a gift from God. And the rights that we have and, and the freedoms that we have as a nation were acknowledged from day one in America as being given by God, not by government. And that was a flip from all of the other uh, nations on the earth. 
God gives us the freedom, and government's job is to protect it. And we should be electing people who understand that very basic fundamental principle. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.